let your power and your authority and your presence be on this teaching today. Bless your ministers, your leaders with great deposits according to their callings and their giftings and their passion for you. We release this service to you that you would accomplish what you have ordained today in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me some praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't it awesome to come in the middle of the day and the morning and feel the presence of the Lord? Well, the, year, the Lord spoke to us and said this is the year of movement, right? This is the year of movement. You know, we talk, to, we talk about being sifted. I may have been sifted. <laughs> and, then, and then being shifted. That means turning in the right direction. And then being what? Lifted. But now that there's a lifting in your life, there's going to be movement now in your life. Movement in your life. Amen. Y'all have enough light back there you can see? You go ahead and turn them on, yeah. There's going to be movement. And this is positive movement. Aren't you tired of the negative movement? It's gone. Who was I talking to yesterday that, um, you know, once you go through some things, you don't have to ever have to revisit those things. That was you. It's a beautiful thing to see progress. It's a beautiful thing to see that we're becoming like him into his image. And it's a beautiful thing that we don't have to go back. Amen. I keep teaching and, and preaching that once you let it go and let God take its place, you'll never have to go back to that again. Amen. The word of God, the revelation, takes its place. And begins to form our future. The revelation forms the future. The revelation makes the vessel. To be able to walk in that future. But this year is a year of movement. A set time. I heard this morning. I heard yesterday morning. uh, From the Lord. And he said this is a set time. For the Lord. To build up Zion. And he gave me the scripture. Let's look at the scripture. As sort of a foundation for today. He's going to begin to build up the church. He said, you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. This is the year of favor. Where your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. You feel like you're dust sometimes? Just dust. <laughs> When you feel like something is is going your way and then it just turns into dust. Amen. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord. That's what we need is the fear of the Lord in our lives. And the nations fear the Lord. Once the church fears the Lord, then the nations are going to fear the Lord. 
Amen. You can love God and not fear him. The fear of the Lord is to not do, not do anything that would offend Jesus. Don't do anything that would offend him or f- offend God. That is the fear of the Lord. If we can just take on that mindset, I'm not going to offend my Lord Jesus today. So the nation shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. If we can just get the kings to fear the Lord, man, we can wrap this thing up. Amen. Because your kings have the wealth. And the body of Christ needs that wealth. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord spoke and he said, this is the year of moving, of movement, of provision that you need. Uh, Zinni was listening to um, Kenneth Copeland this morning and Gloria was on there and, and uh, Pe- uh, Pastor Pearson. And they're seeing money dropped in bank accounts all in their church and the banks don't understand how it's getting there so they can't take it. So they just leave it. That's going to happen to the faithful this year. It's going to happen to you. You're going to, in fact, we've already seen some of it happening already. If you're faithful and you have the fear of the Lord that you don't want to offend him today, God is going to move supernaturally in your life this year. Because I know some of y'all have been shifted and lifted the last few months. And you're in position to receive. You're in position to receive. Don't lose the position. Don't let the devil come with his oppressive thoughts and bring you back. Because, listen, if you're, if you're in position, one foot's always going to be there. But you can let the other foot step back and you'll be looking like this. You can't do nothing like this. The only way that you're going to be do, doing something for God is doing this. Moving forward. Amen. For the Lord shall build up the church. Zion is the church. He shall appear in his glory. So we already had a glory visitation here Monday. I just decided to do a a little class once a month called Real Men Work. They get up early and go to work, right? I'm teaching the young group, you got to get up early. Worship God and go to work. But the Lord moved in here in a little 15 or 20 minute teaching and just wiped us out. The glory just showed up like we've never experienced in this place. And we experience a lot of glory in this place. But that was another level that we've never experienced. So that level is in the atmosphere, ready to be extracted. You can have the glory of God in this atmosphere, but you've got to know how to extract it. Amen? God is restoring and healing faith. He's restoring our faith. He's healing our faith. Because our faith has been pushed down so much that we had to depend on material things to advance the kingdom of God. And you cannot advance the kingdom of God with money. Faith advances the kingdom of God. Money just backs you up so you can get the job done. Amen? you got to have it. But you'll never advance the kingdom of God with material things. Your faith is going to activate grace, and grace and obedience releases grace into your life. So faith comes by hearing, 
And your faith is going to activate the grace that you're standing under. And obedience is going to get it to flow right through you. I remember all the times that the Lord worked with me, and I didn't have a mentor but Jesus. I didn't have nobody because nobody knew, thought I was weird. They thought I was up in another realm. Nobody could understand. So I had to constantly lean on the Lord. And he, the Lord always told me, he said, Gene, if I can get it through you, if I can get myself through you, I can get everything you need to you. I can get everything you need. If you need a miracle, I can get it to you. If you need healing, I can get it to you. Amen. If you need provision, I can get it to you. But you've got to let me out of the temple. I've got to get out of this temple and do what I was resurrected to do. So I'm going to be teaching today on what several things. What is the relationship of a fivefold ministry, which we did in our in our fivefold teaching, uh, in our fivefold our preordination teachings, and it was powerful. How to just act it out? How the fivefold ministry works in relation and accomplishes what God wants to accomplish. And the second thing I'm going to teach on is what is an apostolic center. This is an apostolic center. I'm going to teach on that just a little bit. And then third thing, how do I align myself with an apostolic center? And then the fourth thing, these would be short teachings, was something the Lord gave me a vision yesterday morning, two visions. And that's how you know you're in an apostolic ministry because it's all vision-directed. It's vision-led. You see it, you do it. Amen? But God gave me the, what he called the, uh, his, his apostolic outreach design. The apostolic outreach design. And then I saw the picture. And I saw the picture growing and reaching communities. He said, this is my design. I said, praise the Lord, we're already there. We just stepped into it this year. But understanding the fivefold ministry, every Christian needs the fivefold. Every Christian should have access to the fivefold. Every Christian should have access to me, to an evangelist, to a pastor, to a teacher, to a prophet, or they will not grow in this grace that God called us to grow in. You've got to have access to these offices. So we look at the evangelist. Evangelists get people saved But not only that, they are supposed to flow in signs, wonders, and miracles. It's not your apostle that flows in it all the time. It's just a sign for the apostle. He lays that foundation for for the evangelist to work off of. Amen. But he takes it out, and he's anointed, he's graced to bring forth signs, wonders, and miracles according to his faith in God, and according to his passion for God. You can have faith in God and not have a passion for him. You've got to have a passion for him, for him to move in the supernatural realm that we're expecting him to do. So pastors act as shepherds of God's sheep, providing and comforting care and protection. They provide care, comfort, and protection. Let's look at prophets. Prophets reveal God's heart and mind to his people, providing vision and direction. 
Let's look at teachers. Teachers provide understanding. Thank God for the teachers. Amen. I'm talking about apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled, passion-filled teachers that want to teach the body of Christ and get them to grow up in the Lord. Amen. Enabling God's people to grow and fulfill their call. And apostles set the church in order. If you get around an apostle, you're going to feel uncomfortable if anything's out of order in your life because he's going to start setting you in order. Amen. But he's going to do it in love. He won't do it in control. He's going to do it out of the passion of Christ, the love of Jesus. He sets things in order so all the other gifts can operate and they also establish the individual and the believers for ministry. So your apostle, that's the work of your apostle. Establish order, give instruction, identify the gifts, identify the callings, clean up the bride so they operate in purity in that gift and calling, and then they go out. They're sent out by the apostle. So these are the five offices of the church that make up God's full administration of his church. We call it the new wineskin. So that's an important thing to write down. The church age is the old wineskin. The apostolic age is the new wineskin. The church age is when people get saved. The apostolic age is when they get raised. Amen. We get saved in the church age, and the church age will always be around because it's reaching the lost, it's their call, and the pastors nurture them and protect them while they're being delivered over to an apostolic to raise them up, apostolic anointing, and pastors have that. All right, so one of the highest priorities of the church is that every member have access to the fivefold. We've got to remember this. We can't be too good for someone not to be able to come to us. Amen. I've seen that in the church. You can't get to the pastor. You can't get to the ones that are up there. But the sad thing is they put themselves up there and God didn't do it. The fivefold ministry is supposed to serve the body. The body is supposed to serve the world. We've got to take on that mindset. Hey, we're supposed to serve the body, and the body is supposed to serve the world. Now, we're going to do a demonstration on how does the fivefold ministry work. I want to get Carrie to come up, and um, I want to have Carrie. I'm going to have Carl. I'll call you up in a little bit. Todd and um, Lee. I want to show you how this operates. I had a vision. I saw this. And because a lot of people understand we need the fivefold, but they don't understand how it works relationally together. Amen. So come on up, Carrie. Carrie is an evangelist. And um, get your, uh, go get your new convert. So the evangelist comes in with a new convert, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, evangelists are gifted to birth babies. And and an evangelist is is excited about doing this. They're excited about reaching people and birthing them into the kingdom. It's not the evangelist's gift. 
to nurture and establish this baby in the faith. That's not his gift. In fact, if the baby stays, stays around him too long, he gets irritated. He doesn't have the patience for it. Amen? That's how it works. And then, then the baby might get offended by what he says or his irritability about the baby being around him too much. Crying. Evangelists don't like babies crying to them. All right? So that's why we need Christian. Every Christian needs a pastor. Every Christian's got to have a pastor. A pastor's gift is to provide for that baby, comfort that baby, nurture that baby. A pastor is like a nurse in a delivery room who takes the newborn baby, cleans it up, and makes sure it's healthy and fed and protected. That's a pastor's call right there. Amen. How many pastors do we have in here? There you go. I see the ones that are smiling. They know that's their call. So the fivefold ministry responsibility is to bring the lost into the light. Amen. Introduce the lost into the light of Jesus and to introduce the light into the soul. That's where the church has missed it. Because, and the church didn't, I mean, the apostles weren't in place. Apostles have to be in place to establish a fivefold ministry. A pastor can't do it, an evangelist can't do it, a teacher, a prophet cannot establish a fivefold ministry in an assembly. It's got to be done by an apostle. And man, they're hard to find. And when the clarion call went out back in the year 2000, God was raising up the apostles out of the marketplace, bringing them into the assemblies. Then who shows up first? The counterfeits. And they get, you get beat up by, the, by some of these guys and controlled by some of these guys. But when the light is exposed to the soul, we find the root system that ruled the lost spirit before regeneration. Do you get that? You need to write that one down. Let me read it again. When the light is exposed to the soul, we find the root system that ruled the lost spirit before it got saved. So the enemy had a system in place, and there's a root system in place, that when you get saved, you don't get saved from that root system. Because it's in the soul. But your spirit gets saved. And that's where the power comes to overcome that system. So as long as the root system still exists, it buffers the victorious life we should be living. As long as this system's in my soul, it's going to buffer the victorious life, the abundant life that I'm supposed to be living. When a tree's root is exposed to the light, this is very important, when a tree's root is exposed to the light, what happens? It dies. When a tree's root gets exposed to the light, that root dies, and then what do we do? We take the axe to it. We cut it up. We get it out of the way. It's useless. So in an effective five-fold ministry, we always bring the lost to the light and also introduce the light into the soul. So that's how you know you're in a five-fold ministry. Now, Carl, come up. The evangelist has birthed this baby, and he's got to shift it over to the pastor quickly. All right? 
because we don't want the baby to get offended. The pastor is going to nurture this baby. He's going to care for this baby. He's going to protect this baby. Our problem is that in many churches, a pastor is all of these. He's the evangelist. He's the prophet. He's the teacher. He's trying to take on on all these hats. And it's buffering the full grace that God put on that office to care for this baby. Amen? I've been around some true pastors, and you can feel it. You can feel the nurture. You can feel the, the trust. You can feel him shepherding your heart. You can feel it. It's only been a few that I've been able to feel that. And that's how you know that they're getting it right with God. So, give me the baby. Christians have been saved for 30 years and still look like this. Amen? Only their hair is gray. So this is what we have in most of the churches. Babies sitting on the pews. They have gifts and callings. They're prophesying. They're speaking words of knowledge. But they don't have the victory. They're either broke, busted, disgusted, or sick. But yet they're prophesying over people. So what's that doing to the people? It's getting on the people again. Everything that the people are trying to get free from are getting put back on them through prophecy or laying on of hands. But this baby comes to the apostle. You see the order here. It went from here, went to the pastor. The pastor gives this baby to the apostle. All right. And what happens is the baby, let me see what I have here. Christians have been saved for 30 years, and the pastor is still patting them on the head after 30 years. Isn't that what's happening? Yes, for most of us. So that's why we need prophets. Todd is our prophet here. God is raising him up. And I'm telling you, when the Lord told me to put him in position a few about a month ago, and, and, and he's never done this before now, but he's going to teach. He taught us first Wednesday night a few weeks ago. He's going to teach once a month, and then he's going to have everybody come up, and he's going to prophesy over every individual. Now, he's never done that before. So it's amazing how everybody showed up on that last Wednesday night. There must have been 40 people up here, and he had to prophesy over every one of them, and never done it before, and he spoke to every one of them. That was that office in full operation. Amen? Now it's been activated. It's been positioned. Now he can grow in that office. And we need that. We need that. So the pastor hands it back to the prophet. All right? And the prophet says, looks at the baby and points his finger at him and says, It's good that you're comfortable and having fun, but you have a call of God on your life. You were created with a destiny. There are things that God wants you to do. Amen. So he's speaking. The prophet gives this baby Christian vision. Gives this. That's what prophets do. They give you vision. And where, where you have a prophet, people gain vision and are motivated to fulfill their destinies. The prophets are, uh, that's, that's their call, is to give you a vision through the prophecy 
and get you motivated to fulfill your destiny. Now, if a prophet is all you have, our baby Christian may still fail because he won't get full understanding on what he's supposed to do with that call. That's why we need teachers. Isn't this beautiful how a fivefold is established in assembly? So the teacher gets out his or her Bible and opens it up and says, you need, I say them for you, you need, no, go ahead, it's probably better from your voice. Is it, where is it? The teacher gets out his or her Bible and opens it up and says, you need to understand some things. You need to understand how to walk with God and how to operate in the power of God and how to experience his blessings. So the teacher begins to teach and train the baby, all right? So the evangelist, pastor, and prophet, and teacher each have a crucial part to play in the building of believers to maturity and equipping them for the work of ministry. Now the apostle has set everything, this whole thing, this whole process in order and makes sure, the apostle makes sure that all these gifts are functioning together. All right, there's synergy here. There's a relationship here. The apostle knows this is, this is the key thing to remember. Your apostle knows the times and the seasons of movement. He knows when to send this evangelist out. He knows when to call the evangelist in. He knows when that evangelist should give this baby to the pastor, and then the baby to the prophet, and then the baby to the teacher. This is what an apostle does, and he does it through two tools, wisdom and revelation. That's the tools of an apostle, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. You should be flowing in revelation. So the, the apostle takes this baby again from the teacher and watches over this baby. The apostle is going to watch over this baby like a father. And moves that progression, moves this baby through the progression to be sure he is growing and developing in God and not man. Amen. A true apostle is going to constantly point this baby to God. He's going to constantly encourage this baby to lean on Jesus and not to lean on him. Amen. That's the call of an apostolic function, is to get this baby in alignment with God. So then, the apostle takes this baby and throws it out for ministry. And that's what usually happens. They crash and burn, right? They just crash and burn. So we bring the baby back up. And we give it to the pastor. Carl takes the baby, rushes out to retrieve this baby Christian, and begins to comfort this minister. All right? This is how it works. We need pastors to comfort and encourage us to grow. To grow. Then Todd takes the baby. You messed up, but you still have a call of God on your life. Don't give up. There's your prophecy. Don't give up. 
Don't ever give up. A, pro- a prophet should edify you, encourage you. He should uh, rebuke you. He should give you instruction, and he should edify you. Then Lee takes it to another step and says, You crashed and burned because there are some things you didn't understand. Let me explain these to you. This is the flow. It's got to happen in every assembly or the assembly is not in right alignment and not in the right flow of grace. Amen? It's got to be in the right flow of grace. Because listen, the fivefold ministry is not all about signs, wonders, and miracles. It's about development. About maturing this bride and bringing this bride into unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And finally, the baby comes to the apostle again. After the teachers develop this baby, the apostle takes the baby again, and it's time for you to go again, and he launches this baby out into ministry. The crash and burn happened, and it's amazing it didn't happen the second time. They grow. But all of these offices right here, the Lord has worked through me to establish them, to work with them, to see them crash and burn, and they didn't crash and burn the second time because they went through this this order of protection, this order of teaching, and the baby began to grow up in ministry. So you, you can see how this fivefold works. Y'all can sit down. You can see how the fivefold works. Do you understand that? That's the simplest way that the God gave me to explain it to us of how to build up. And before you know it, this baby's no longer a baby. It's on its own. It's going out there and doing what it's supposed to do. Now, I want you to look at the awareness of grace over here, if you can see that. This is how God designed the church to operate in movement. Now, when I got these visions eight, ten years ago, I didn't know how to teach on these visions. I just got them. Because, you know, if God gave you everything, you'd blow up your mind. You couldn't handle it. It'd just throw you right into confusion. But this, now he's telling me, this is how I designed the church to operate in movement. A picture God once firmly fixed in our minds. The evangelist gets people saved in the calling. The pastor nurtures, protects, and comforts the truth, not the flesh. Sometimes we can get too caught up in the flesh. Amen? And comforting the flesh while the devil's stealing the truth. We comfort and, and nurture that truth right there. Then the prophet gives them vision and direction. And then establishing, this is going to be your teacher. She's establishing and building that place. And then your apostle begins to strengthen and send them out. You need that firmly fixed in your mind because there's scriptures that you can use to build that, build that season, that timing of everything, that flow of everything. So let's look at Ephesians 4, 12 through 16. And these, this tells us all five gifts operating together. 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. How many, of, how many saints in your church, every one of them should be working ministry? They're supposed to work ministry. You're supposed to send them out for ministry. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So we have the unity of faith in God. It's twofold. And the knowledge of the Son of God. The only way that you can know Jesus is through revelatory teaching. The only way that you can know Jesus is through revelation. And that causes you to come into a perfect man to the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I've, I was like this. I'd go from church to church. It is hot in here. I see you. I go from, I used to go from church to church being tossed to and fro. And, and then I couldn't get anything. Then I said, well, they must need me. So you show up at churches and think they need you, but they didn't need you. They saw that you were a mess. How are they going to use you? Because you were tossed to and fro so much. And carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Now that hurts sometimes. It's like a sword piercing you when your leader starts speaking truth into you. But you know he loves you. That's the key. And we're supposed to do the same thing. May grow up in all things... Into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by what every person supplies. Now, it didn't say person. By what every, give me your hand, joint supplies. There's a supply that you can't see coming out of this union right here. That's why the devil is so busy causing division in the church. Because he knows there's an there's a invisible grace flowing from these two hands right now that we can't see. Amen. That's what that means. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. All right, is that good for the fivefold? You all understand that? I want to look at what is an apostolic center. Apostolic center. Wherever there's an apostle, you're going to find an apostolic center. If he's a true apostle, it, it will be an apostolic center. It's a place to gather scattered sheep. A teaching and training center led by the apostle, delegated to the teachers. A five-fold hub with continual movement. Some people don't like change, but if you come into an apostolic center, the, the, the spirit, the apostolic spirit, is going to move you to change. You don't have a choice, because when that spirit starts working, and that spirit starts delivering some revelation to you, that revelation will actually 
do everything for you, but we fight it. And that's where pain comes in. That's where frustration comes in. That's where opposition comes in. If we just surrender to the Spirit and the revelation that we heard and say, Lord, just do it. You know, you can go through a lot of things with peace and not experience all the emotional turmoil turmoil that we go through sometimes. Because God said, I called you to peace, not to confusion, not to emotionalism. So you really can go through every trial if you take on this right mindset with peace. And then when you get there, you know, you could be in a trial and won't even know it. The only way you can know it is that you don't bear that old fruit anymore. You bear new fruit and something else. It's a, a trial is nothing more than a fruit exchange. So it's a place where a kingdom display and performance can occur. It's a release of ministers to evangelize dead churches, to evangelize the lost. It's a release for apostles to start new churches. And it's a release of marketplace ministers impacting the public. Let's put that diagram on the, on the screen a minute. And I know some of y'all have seen this, but this is a vision the Lord gave me last year, getting us prepared for more movement and getting the church as a whole prepared for movement. This is the end-time church progression where you have a pastor structure, but no power. That's non-denominational. Some, we got a pastor, we have a structure, but we don't see signs, wonders, and miracles in the church. We, and the next one is a pastor, which is a denomination. Church of God, Assembly of God, those, those types. And we see the same thing. We see a great order, a great structure, but no signs, wonders, and miracles. We see some healings, but I'm talking about the supernatural power of God moving in the place. And then we have the religious structure, Catholic, Methodist, uh, Episcopalian. But unbeknowingly to them, they're going to begin to see people leaving their church because God is bringing the bride out of captivity and bringing that bride into an apostolic structure where you have the fivefold ministry, the fivefold government established, working there, creating change, identifying, confirming, processing, and releasing them to maturity. This is happening. We've been doing it for seven years, is it seven years, eight years now, in this little place. And we've, we've seen so much in seven years what God has done just by staying with the process, sticking with the change. But you see at the bottom it says flesh and blood cannot enter this place. You can't come in here with your agenda. <laughs> you can't come in an apostolic center and, and think that they need you. Isn't that true? You get a lot of people in, in, coming into apostolic centers all puffed up. They got this great gift of prophecy or something else going on. They're flowing in miracles. God doesn't need all that. Why does it, because it's without repentance. Your gifts and callings are without repentance. God needs us to love him. 
That's absolutely all he wants is for us to have a passion for him. And it's amazing what he can get done in your passion far more than he can get done in those gifts and callings. Doesn't it make it easy too? Because people will wear out your calling. <laughs> if you don't have a passion for God, you're going to stay wore out. People will wear out the calling and the gifts of God on you because the demonic influence gets on them because the demonic influence, part of that kingdom is to wear you out. It's to wear you out. And I always tell our people, grace will never wear you out. Grace will never do it. So you're moving from the church age to the kingdom age, and you see this apostolic structure just pushing out sons, not babies, sons. And they're evangelizing dead churches. Apostles are starting churches. Marketplace ministries are getting started. And this is the way God designed it. And this is the way this whole thing is going to get wrapped up. It started with apostles. It's going to end with apostles. I call it the second apostolic age. And I'll get into that a little bit. So praise the Lord, an apostolic center. Now let's see how we can align with this apostolic center. Every apostolic center is different. Amen? Dr. Lee's an apostle. He's got a center, but his calling may be different from mine. We're specializing in different areas, but we're still functioning as an apostle. Functioning as an apostle. Each has its own focus and call. As long as a true apostle is leading it and a true fivefold is developed or being developed, then we know that whatever the call is, it's going to be effective. It's going to make an impact for the communities. So aligning with an apostolic center involves building relationships. My call is to build relationships with the fivefold, with pastors. And I know pastors are so busy, but if we take out the time to have lunch or just have Dr. Lee and I go out to lunch every once in a while and just build on the relationship, it's amazing what God's going to do in that relationship. Because God builds on trust. God builds on trust. And sometimes the Lord asks me, he said, Gene, can I trust you today? I said, oh, Lord, what am I fixing to go into? Can I trust you? Can I trust you in a trial? Can I trust you in opposition? Can I trust you in temptation? Can I trust you? So it's amazing. God has to trust me. God has to trust us. Amen. He's trusting us in that, in that fiery furnace to say, Lord, I love you. You're my passion. Nothing this trial is going to do for me except push me closer to you. Nothing this opposition is going to do for me except push me into my promise. And nothing this temptation is going to do for me except get me healed. That's the key. 
temptation comes to abort the healing process that's taken place. So we do not demand that the churches give us money. This must be led by the Spirit and surrendered to be aligned in His order. We don't demand that churches file out monthly reports. We don't control or make the church change what they are doing. Amen? We want to come in and build on what they're doing. All right? All of us need a little bit of instruction, but we want to come in and build on what they're already doing. We don't want to get to know the church. We, we, we do want to get to know the church and give them opportunity to freely receive the resources God has given us. And we're already doing this to some churches. All this is available to them. And most of the pastors like this one right here. They love to teach off of that one right there. And the doorway of change. God will give you your own revelation according to your function. Your revelation may, may be different from my revelation, but it's the same truth. It's still going to build you. So a pastor's revelation being built on an apostolic revelation may not be the same way God's going to build it with my revelation on my foundation. Does that make sense? So if the churches choose to align with, a, with an apostolic center, here's what it looks like. Step one. Go to our website or any apostolic center. Go to the website and click on contact us and send an email or call what your request is. This is the first way, first way to do it, to get it connected to an apostolic center. Number two, there are several ways to connect depending on the, your needs and type of ministry. A, Individuals and couples can connect as apostolic aligned. Apostolic aligned. B, house churches can connect as houses of Zion. Houses of Zion. If you're writing, let me know if I'm going too fast. C, churches of more than 50 members can connect as a church of Zion. D. Officially incorporated ministries with 501c3 can connect as a ministry of Zion. That means you may not be in an apostolic, you may not be in a, a fivefold function. You're just a minister. All saints are ministers. And if you can get the 5013c, you can be a ministry of Zion. Number and E, businesses who wish to be apostolically connected can sign on as a business of Zion. And that's one thing we're going to do this year with Train to Rain, with uh, the people that come. We're going to lay hands on them and release the apostolic on them this year. Because some of them have been real faithful in coming to Training to Rain. That's our business uh, gathering once a month where we train them to... Uh, Keep God in their business and how to do that. So connecting will put them in contact with someone in our fivefold apostolic team depending on the area of need. Every church has a need. 
and someone else is going to meet it. Let's look at number three. When they request to be aligned, they will receive a brief brief questionnaire designed to give us some brief information. We have that questionnaire about them. And A, when they return the completed questionnaire, they are officially aligned. Where, where the relationship goes from there, it is up to them. And here's the key. Some will, be, will choose to develop a very close relationship, and others won't, but they'll still be connected. And here are a few of the ways they can develop a closer relationship. Number one is contact us. Free to ask questions or seek counsel, which we do that a lot here. Because we have the business next door, so we're open to do it all day long in here. So number two, you can be commissioned. That means if you are a leader of a house church or a church or a business or a ministry, you have the option of being officially commissioned. Number three, you can visit our website to keep up with what God is doing at the Apostolic Center. And number four, you can sign up to receive regular emails to stay informed with the ministries and activities. Number five, you can join us on the web. Every service is live streaming. This is live streaming. Um, and all the archives of the teachings is on the web. Number six, you, your group can join in with other gatherings by webcast. Your group can join in with other gatherings by webcast. In other words, worship gatherings are held three times a year. Is it three this year or four? It'll be three. And what that is, this is the year we've gone out and started the Houses of Zion and uh, for people to reach their neighborhood. And then once a month, I mean uh, three times a year, we bring the house churches in for corporate worship and let them see the manifestation of the gifts in operation. Amen. That's going to be awesome. We'll teach on gifts. And and reason we have it three, because that's the fifth Saturday in those months. So it doesn't mess up our glory service that we have once a month. So that fifth Saturday of those months is, is set aside for that to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and let the people come in and experience those gifts in operation. And number seven, you can purchase material and CDs on the web. This is a great way to increase vision and faith. Number eight, you can attend the services. They're on the web. Number nine, you can request a team to come and minister at your church. And we really do, that's called our Omega Outreach. We really do have an order, a structure, when a team comes in for two or three days to bring them from point A to point B. Because it takes about three conferences to do it the right way. Number 10, you're encouraged to give based on the value of what you have received freely. We find that those who do this are greatly blessed. We just saw the, and they're not here today, uh, the church in Hinesville. And when they started sowing into this apostolic center, their finances just went off the chart. 
the glory came in the church, and now they're experiencing the glory cloud in the church. But what we did, we went up there every Wednesday night for a while, I think for four or five weeks, and taught. Started with that chart right there, and just taught for those weeks. And then released that apostolic, and that following Sunday, or one Sunday after that, it just came in the service. And everybody was praying in tongues that wasn't before. It hit everybody. So we see things that we don't see here. Because this place is to form you and to train you and to position you to go out there and experience what you haven't experienced here. The power and authority is going to be out there. Because the people's faith is what pulls it out of you. So the more people you have, the more it's going to pull this, this knowledge, this power, and this presence out of you. So the apostolic spirit is the driving force of the apostolic center. Moving people. And I don't know if I said the, 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 the definition of movement. You might want to write this down. The act of moving from one place or position to another. That's what God is doing this year, is moving you from one place or position to another. He may be relocating your ministry, uh, but he's going to do one or the other or both in our lives this year. So when the wheel of grace, the awareness of grace, is not turning, when it's not turning, there's no movement. The church gets stuck in suffering and never pushes through it but backs up because we all get start praying for the person or comforting the person when this is a time to give the person to God. I've got in God's way many, many times and I finally heard a strong rebuke in my spirit. He said, Gene, I just need you to get out of the way. This is the hour of power and you don't have the power I need to accomplish this. Amen. He gives it to the person that he wants to reach at that time, at that moment, without my interference. So the direction and movement of the church is determined by the spirit of the church. The condition of the spirit will determine the mobility of the wheel. And we know that by spirit, we mean passion a passion, a drive, a zeal, an energy, an excitement. That's by spirit. So the spirit, that which, that which motivates, drives, compels, and moves to action. This is an apostolic spirit. It's going to keep you in movement. And you know, if you're not moving, if you're not changing, there's no excitement in this kingdom. You, you'll go right into, into depression and the kingdom of God, which is, which is illegal. It's illegal to be depressed. It's illegal to be fearful and anxious and worried and anger in the kingdom of God. And when something's illegal, guess what's going to happen? When we break the law out there, the law comes what? To enforce the truth. Out of all God's love, his love's going to come and get us back on track. So the Spirit stirs up and gives fuel to dreams, visions, and goals. 
Tired, frustrated, discouraged, lazy believers are lacking the necessary spirit, the apostolic, that moves the church. So if you're feeling tired, lacking, frustrated, discouraged, that's a good sign that you need to be under an apostolic spirit and in an apostolic center. So our spiritual lives depend on that movement. When people have an apostolic spirit, they are driven to execute and carry out the purpose of God. And you'll see results. I just know when we ordain people here, that when I ordain, I warn them that there's going to be an acceleration every area of your life. Finances, um, spirit, um, transformation, healing in your body. These things begin to move an accelerated pace. Amen. And the blessing can move so quickly that if you don't stay in your passion for God, you can get off track with God. Amen. You got to keep that passion. And that passion is going to be a passion for worship. We're a worshiping center here. And we go into worship. We could stay in worship all day long and not get tired. Because that's one of our callings here is to bring the bride into worship. They are driven to fulfill the Great Commission. They have a zeal for the Lord. They are concerned with finishing their race. The modern day's apostles are fueling this movement of finishing this race. And I'm telling you, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is moving on the church to be healthy. How many of you experienced that, that conviction to get healthy? Amen, I have. Because you can't finish your race if your health is not in place. You know, God can have all the healing power uh, operating in our lives, but if we're not living healthy, you know, we're going to be working against that power. Amen. So the revelation of the apostolic ministry is coming from heaven into the earth. This is causing a new driving force to hit the church, like we saw in, in Hinesville. The result of the restored apostolic ministry is a release of an apostolic company of believers. Now let's jump over to, um, for the sake of time, uh, bringing in apostolic teams. Bringing in apostolic teams. Apostolic teams help upgrade the revelation of the local church. If you've got a church, then God's given you a revelation. Or you would have never opened up the church. So the teams come in to upgrade that, to build that, help the pastor build that revelation. And revelation, is, as we know, is a spirit, and those who have revelation can impart it to the church. So an apostolic team is a group of fivefold ministers led by an apostle, and they help the church break through. You can get kind of, kind of in a zone where there's, it's too comfortable. You can get into. Um, uh, conforming so easily to prayer. We can conform to worship and it be out of order of God. God didn't call us to conformity. That's how easy the enemy gets in there. He called us to what? Relationship through what? Transformation. Transformation. So we're going to come help the churches break through into new realms of spiritual power and revelation. 
And listen, that cannot happen with one service. It's got to be three services minimum. And when this apostolic team comes into your church, we don't take up offerings. We're coming freely into your church. God provides for this ministry. Unbelievable how he provides for this ministry. Because he's sending us out free. Amen. I know a lot of pastors, I mean, they have small churches, and if they brought a team in, this could cost thousands of dollars, and they wouldn't get paid that week. Amen? That's not what God wants. God wants these teams to go out freely. It's like he told his apostles, leave everything behind, go out freely. What you've been given freely, freely you give. Amen. So money's not going to be involved. Faith is involved. Now, this is the last thing we're finishing up. Apostolic centers. Remember I told you that, um, let's look at Acts 8, 1 through 8. God's design. Now Saul was consenting to his death at the time the great persecution rose against the church which is at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now that's key right there. You would think the apostles would want to be with the sheep. You would think they'd want to go with them since they raised them up. Except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. They didn't go everywhere causing division. Every time a church busts up, they cause division. Amen. But this is God's order. They went out and preached the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing. Now, Philip was an evangelist, right? Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were oppressed, and many who were paralyzed, lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I'm telling you, Savannah's going to have some great joy in this city going to be some great joy in this city. I want you to see here, this is God's order. And there were six apostolic centers in this first apostolic age. That was Jerusalem. And, and I'm going to teach this in the next pastor's conference. I'm going to dig into this a little bit. Jerusalem, Antioch, Ephesus, Corinth, Rome, and Iona, I-O-N-A. Those were the six apostolic centers in the New Testament. These are all gone. They were the first apostolic age. A pattern set by God to reach the world and bring it to maturity. So we, Dr. Lee, we are in the second apostolic age. We are in the second apostolic age. A kingdom church is started by an apostle. It's established by the apostle, the prophet, and the teacher through the fivefold ministries. So what's happening in this second apostolic age is a cleanup of the bride. 
He's cleaning her up, washing her up, and raising her up at the same time. Every time you get clean, you get raised. Amen? Every time you get clean, you get raised. Clean up of the bride begins the second apostolic age. Now, I want to show you the two visions, and then I'm going to be finished for today. God's apostolic design. Look at my drawing. This is the apostolic hub right here. This is an apostolic center. And the first apostolic age, this would have been Jerusalem. Out of the apostolic center, you're developing ministers. You're ordaining ministers to start a house church, not a church. First thing we do, we get a building or a storefront and put him in the storefront. That's not the way God wants to do it. You put them in house churches, and we're calling them houses of Zion. And then out of that house church, and you see all the scriptures there to back all this up. Out of that house church, the person that we have trained or ordained is going to be able to identify who may be in that office. Because in every neighborhood, somebody's got an office. They're either an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And usually, you know, at our age, or you can usually tell the ones that are miserable because they don't know what they're supposed to do yet. So the teacher there, or the minister there, will sort of recognize the signs. And then I'll go in once a month to these house churches and speak and identify, activate that gifting. And then... That five-fold office, or one office coming out of one Zion, then you start an apostolic church. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. That's the way God did it. Acts 1 through 8 is your design. And look on the next vision, how God just starts filtering in to the region. Isn't that awesome? So out of that second church that started, that church will begin to form house churches. It's a safe place for people. It's in their neighborhood. They know the person that's there. Um, We we started it this past Wednesday. We had Sheila Taylor set up. And what I do, I go in and get them set up and give them some instruction on how to do this. But then we got in a circle in our living room and just prayed. And then I laid, had her stand in the circle and laid hands. I'm telling you, the glory of God just fell into place. That's how you know God's on it. He's backing you up with his presence. So her first teaching is next Wednesday. And you create flyers and get them out to your neighbors and invite them to come in. And you watch how God's going to fill that house up because it's in his order. Amen? This is how it's done. we got a lot of churches out there, but Savannah has not been reached yet. Amen? This is how it's going to be done. Can you imagine a few house churches down in the downtown in the SCAD area? You know, Carl and Mamie would be good at that, that age group. And every apostolic center should be ordaining ministers every year. The Lord told me that. He said, Gene, you know, this, this is a model right here for Savannah. And we do it every year. And people get excited. 
Oh, I'm going to be ordained. But then they have to go through hell before they get there. <laughs> Notice I said they go through hell. They didn't stay in it. Send them to the salt box. <laughs> we have a house we call the salt box where we send ministers so they can spend 30 days there of sanctification away from everybody and just let God visit them and change them. And boy, they come out changed, don't you, Mamie and Carl? They were the last two this last time, and they are completely changed. Amen? And they'll be... <laughs> now, these two have a lot of ministry, and this is a young couple in their early 30s. They have a lot of ministry because they've been through a lot. But now that's gone, and now they're in position to move forward, and their ordination will be this year, end of this year. And um, we have we have three or four of them going to get ordained this year that have been through the salt box experience, been faithful, listened to the instruction. That's the key thing of an apostolic center. If the apostle's given you instruction, it's going to be contrary to what you what you think. And it listen, it's going to be contrary to the, to the apostle the way he thinks. Because I'll blurt out stuff and say, well, "Man, where, where where did that come from?" But you feel the power on it. You feel the conviction on it. You feel the piercing on it. And that's how you know. Yield to it. You yield to it. It'll be painless. But man, how we fight against the word of God. We fight against God sometimes. That word starts working. And the result is pain. Because you can't fight against God and not sin. I mean, we sin when we start fighting against God with our carnal weapons of fear and anger and all these kind of things. So praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of this today? This is going, that was going viral. That's, that's your model for every pastor, every leader in here. That is your model. God said this is the model. And I'm going to teach this on, in detail each month now so that you can really get it. This is just a foundational introduction, uh, this teaching. And I'll begin to build some more understanding of these centers and what to expect inside the center. Amen. Let's stand and give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask that you bless the ones that have come, cause them to prosper and succeed in every area of life that you've caused them to put their hands to. Lord, I know that your spirit is real, your truth is real. I release that apostolic spirit. Lord, and the ones that have come today, that you'll bless them supernaturally because this is your remnant that you have called out, appointed and anointed for movement this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.